Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that according to your word, you love us. That you, you didn't just tell us you love us, you, you, you by your very action proved your love for us. And so God, as we remember what you've done on our behalf through your son, Christ Jesus, I ask that you give us a spirit during this time of reverence, of humility, a heart to remember exactly what was done and, and to carry the full weight of what has been done on our behalf so that we might ultimately live the life that you've called us to. And so, God, I praise you. We just submit this time to you by the power of your Holy Spirit. I ask, God, that whatever is done here be done for your glory and so that the name of your Son, Jesus, may be lifted up in all things. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let our praise be your welcome. Let our songs be a sign we are here for you. We are here for you. Let your breath move in power. Fill our hearts with your light. We are here for you. We are here for you. To you our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You 
our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden, you are one desire, you alone are holy, only you are worthy, God, let your fire fall down, yes, fall, let it fall, let it I 
Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as God, we thank you for the time that we've been given. And we have one request, and the prayer is simple tonight, that you be honored in everything that we do here today. God, as we reflect on the true meaning of what you've done for us, what you've accomplished for us, as we remember the sacrifice that your son, Jesus Christ, made, the beating that he took, the willingness to step in and be a substitution for us. God, let us not take this message lightly because it's it's not a story, it's history. God, that, that Your Son literally died for us so that we might have eternity and the hope thereof with You. And so God, we praise You. Let this time be honoring, glorifying, and uplifting. Let it, let it minister to You, oh God. Let our worship minister to You. Let, us, let our remembrance be a blessing to You, God. We thank You, Heavenly Father, that we have the opportunity to do it because You loved us. 
because you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I want to talk to you guys today. Like I said, we're, we're doing uh, Good Friday communion service, and I appreciate you being here. I'm going to start with a verse that um, many of you are familiar with, but probably you don't expect me to come from. It says, but God demonstrates His own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to say that again. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why did He do it? Because God loved us. Did you catch that? The reason Jesus Christ came was because He loved us. Because the Father loves us. And so I want to talk to you about how love is the reason that Christ did everything that He did on our behalf. It's because He loves us that He came here from heaven. It's because He loves us that He took the beating that He took. It's because He loves us that He he died for us. It's because He loved us that He became the first fruits of the resurrection so that we might ultimately have the hope of eternity. Everything that has been accomplished on our behalf has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with what He has done for us by becoming sin for us. And so I want to talk about that today. That love is the reason. The first point I want to make here, the first thing I want to say is because of His love, the guiltless Christ, and we know that that the that the Christ is guiltless from John 18.38 when He was tried. Uh, even the Roman authorities said, I find no guilt in this man. And so the guiltless Christ suffered because He loved us. And so I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time elaborating. I just want to read you Scripture to show you the proof of what I'm telling you. And I'm going to come out of Isaiah chapter 53 to start. 3-4 through four says this, correction 4 and 5, Surely our griefs He Himself bore and our sorrows He carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions, for our violations of the law. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was crushed for our wickedness. The chastening for our well-being, we became better because our chastening fell on Him. He took the chastening on our behalf. And so He was crushed. He was pierced. He was, he, was, um, he was afflicted. He was stricken by God and smitten. He was, he was totally removed from man. People wouldn't pay Him any attention. He was blasphemed against. All of these things because He loves us. We read in John 19, we get a little deeper and we, talk, we, we learn about what he suffered specifically. In verses 1 through 5, it says, Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him slaps in the face. I, I, these words can't give what Jesus Christ suffered justice. So I want to take a few moments and explain to you what Jesus Christ actually suffered for your behalf according to what is written here. It says that Pilate took Jesus and scourged Him. A death penalty, uh, according to that time, was 40 lashes with a cat of nine tails. They didn't want to put Him to death because they didn't, Pilate didn't believe He had right to put Him to death. So He charged Him with 39 lashes, which is just one short of. 
And every lash, every crack of the whip, this not just any whip, but this cat of nine tails, which was tipped on every end by pieces of stone or broken glass. All 39, every time that hit his back, they would grip those sharpened stones, pieces of iron, those sharpened pieces of glass would catch in the skin. And as they were pulled away, they would literally rip the flesh off of his bones, exposing the nerve. And so he didn't just do this once. He did it 39 times. And a cat of nine tails is called 39, a cat of nine tails because it has nine whips on it. And so 39 times nine is the actual number of tears to the skin that Jesus' body would have been would have endured it. He would have been unrecognizable just after this, but they didn't just scourge him. They twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They took the king, the sovereign king of all creation and mocked him, placed a crown of thorns on his head. Those thorns would have pierced into his skull and like any head wound would have bled profusely. I'm trying to draw a picture and I know it's it's not a pretty picture, but it's not supposed to be a pretty picture. We shouldn't look at Good Friday and see anything but the horror that Jesus Christ went through. And that's what I'm trying to show you. I want you to remember truly what Jesus went through just in his suffering. They twisted a crown of thorns together and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. All of these things to mock him. Now you think a purple robe's not that big a deal until you read in Mark 15, 16 through 20, which I'm not going to go there. But it says that they took the robe later. They took the robe off of him. Now I want you to think about what that means. This God that never sinned, that came out of heaven, became man so that we might have the hope of eternal life, received 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails, was mocked and blasphemed against, had a purple robe thrown on his back, and sometimes later they would have ripped that robe off of his back. Because having been exposed, every nerve in his back would have been exposed. So they put this robe on his back as the blood begins to congeal, as it starts to act as a buffer between the air and the nerves, and maybe even creating some lesser degree of pain and suffering for him. They decided to rip it off, making those wounds all fresh, all new again, as though he had just experienced them a second time. This is the weight of what Jesus suffered. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, mocking him, and gave him slaps to the face. Slaps to the face, much like the rest of this, is it's pretty thin. It doesn't give it the full weight of what it was. If you'll read in that text in Mark, I gave you just a moment ago, chapter 15, it says that he was, all of this was done at the hands of a Roman cohort. A Roman cohort could be up to 600 people. 600 warrior adult men who were trained in violence, who were strong and capable of destruction. And so when we hear and we read and began to slap him in the face, remember that up to 600 full-grown, strong warrior men who had been trained in devastation of the body of others hit him in the face. So, I want you to take the full picture of what he suffered. The fact that the crown was placed, yes, and we seem to put a lot of focus there. 
but he was slapped and beaten 600 times, potentially up to 600 times. That robe would have been pulled away from his back. The skin would have been torn from his flesh. They, they did everything they could, humanly possible, to cause Jesus, our Jesus, our Savior, pain for no other reason than it created joy in them to do it. And so, because of his love, even though he wasn't guilty, he suffered. But that's not all that he did. He didn't just suffer. Because of his love, the guiltless Christ was crucified. Now, that's an additional suffering, but I, I want to explain the crucifixion. In Luke 23, and I'm going to go there. Luke chapter 23, 33 through 38. Pardon why I read this. It says, When they came to the place called the skull, where they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Could you imagine such a thing? Could you imagine the love it takes for someone who has just been beaten the way I've described? Who's just been mocked and blasphemed against the way that I've described? To ask God, the only person that could forgive them, to forgive them, for they did not know what they were doing. He was willing to set it all aside because He loves us. But even more than that, He says, and they cast lots, dividing up His garments among themselves. And the people stood by looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at Him, saying, He saved others. Let Him save Himself if this is the Christ of God, His chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him, this is the king of the Jews. I think this is the only thing they got right. But in fact, this is the king of the Jews. Jesus Christ is the king of the Jews. I want to take a second to talk to you about the fact that Jesus could have, in fact, as they stated, called down angels from heaven and saved himself. He could have crawled down off of that cross. Matter of fact, he told Pilate when Pilate was interviewing him, he said, you have no authority over me except the authority you've been given. And so he knew that he didn't have to be there, but he was there because he loves us. He set himself there because he loves us. He stayed there even unto the point of death because he loves us. What am I trying to tell you today? I'm trying to tell you He loves us. But much like the uh, suffering that He was dealt, I want to talk to you about the crucifixion that He went under because you have to go back into, into history to actually understand what a crucifixion was. The Bible doesn't specifically lay it out. But let me tell you what they would do. They would nail the hands and the feet to a wood to wooden planks. And it's historically thought that it was in the hands, but it was more likely in the wrist, which would have severed the nerve going into the hand, which in by its in of itself would have been extremely painful. That feet were placed together and a nail was driven through the ankle bone. I can't imagine the suffering of such a thing, especially still being alive. And what would happen there essentially is that as you hung on the cross, your 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 oxygen would be depleted from your lungs because you can't have the full weight on your chest and shoulders that is your human body and, and be able to breathe at the same time with your arms extended over your head. And so the, 
the person would then forced to raise himself up by the nails through his ankles, which imagine the pain of that, so that he could just, for even for just a moment, fill his lungs with air. And he would deal with that, and he would stay in that position as long as he could stay there. And then finally, when he couldn't stand the pain any longer or his muscles got to a point where they could no longer hold him up, he would fall back down into a position and his, he would be without oxygen again. And then he would do it over and over and over again. Sometimes this took up to several days for a person to die. Jesus Christ did this for you. Jesus Christ did this for us, not for any other reason than because he loves us. And so ultimately, as they rose up and then fell back down, rose up and fell back down, the, the chest cavity would fill with water, with fluid, and the person would ultimately drown to death after several days. This is the suffering. This is the crucifixion that Christ took on our behalf. And we call it Good Friday. I think back of all the, the horrifying things that I've said, and I've spent a lot of time contemplating this, and, and, I, and I encourage you, as, as painful as it may be, to take the same time and really reflect on what has been done for you. And I think, how can we call it Good Friday? Because it certainly wasn't good for Jesus. He suffered. He endured hardship. He was mocked. He was blasphemed. He was, he was beaten beyond comp our comprehension and to the point where you couldn't recognize him. How is that good? It was good for this reason. It was good because in his willingness to do it, in his love for us, he knew that we would get to spend eternity with him. He literally endured everything that he endured, everything that I've described. And I have, I have done miserable job describing the true essence of what he suffered and what he went through. But he went through everything that he went through for one reason. Because his love for you made it worth it. Because the good came from the fact that he now has the opportunity to spend eternity with you and you the opportunity to spend eternity with him. And so this is what we remember. We remember his body, that it was broken, pierced, scourged for us so that our transgressions, according to Isaiah 53, our violations of the law, our iniquities, our wickedness could be atoned for. His blood was spilled so that we might be forgiven of our sins because blood has to be spilled for the forgiveness of our sin. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There can't be a remission of sin unless there's a shedding of blood. Praise God that because, he, because of His mercy, His grace, and His love for us, that He decided to shed the blood of Jesus as a substitution for ours. That's what makes Good Friday good. That we don't have to take the position of death that we deserve which is exactly what we deserve according to Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The thing that you deserve is death. But, and I want everybody in the house that you're sitting in to say, but, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You deserve this, death. But God, through Christ Jesus, gave you life because he was willing to suffer and he was willing to sacrifice himself so that we could. So that's what we're remembering today in communion. I don't want to prolong this any longer than necessary. I just, I just want to talk to you real quick about why 
we take the time to remember what we are remembering. And then together as a family, remember in communion. And so I know many of you have stopped by the church and have picked up communion supplies. And I appreciate that. If you, if you don't have communion supplies uh, specifically, let me tell you, the communion is symbolic. And so I just encourage you, find something in your house that you can use. Juice, crackers, they're symbolic. They're truly symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus. And so find what you can and let's let's take communion together. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to discuss what we've been given or to discuss communion. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 31 reads like this. It's the reason why I start here. It says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the blood, the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, because they didn't judge their body rightly, they didn't judge themselves rightly, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. And so let me tell you, I've seen a lot of people take communion. I've heard of a lot of people take communion. I've sat and watched people take communion, as it were. And they, they just take the elements of communion and they move on. Let me tell you, there is a curse on the people that align themselves with the work of Jesus Christ, but don't actually belong to Jesus Christ. He says, check yourself. A man must examine himself. There has to be a time before you take communion, where we examine ourselves and ask God, much as David did, as I lay in my bed at night and, and reflect, God, is there anything in me that shouldn't be in me? If, I, if God brings something to your recollection, now's the time to ask forgiveness for that. You need to come clean with God. You need to repent of the sin that you have in your life. And by repent, I don't mean say that you're sorry, because you can be sorry without change. You need to repent. And that means to turn away from your sin and turn towards Christ, expecting and believing that the Holy Spirit is going to help you walk out the rest of your days, leaving that sin behind. That's what repentance is. But it starts with a self-examination. I told you there was a curse in not taking it rightly. But can I tell you, there's also a blessing in taking it rightly. Because if it says that for this reason, the reason that you took it wrongly, Many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. If that's the curse, the blessing has to be that those that take it rightly have the availability of healing and wholeness. And so I believe that communion is, is as I've heard the term coined, is the meal that heals. As we align ourselves with the work of Christ, we also align ourselves with the healing available in Christ, with the provision available in Christ, with the blessings available in Christ Jesus. And so I want you to consider those things too. And if there's anything in your body or anything that you're dealing with, if you're, if you're struggling with fear or anxiety, any blessing that you might truly need, now's the time to receive that when you receive communion. Because in remembering what Christ did, we not only align ourselves with what Christ did, but we align ourselves with the promises that Christ gave us. And so because of all of those things, I want to I pray. And we're going to pray before we get started. 
and it, before we actually take communion, to make sure that all of us are taking rightly. And so let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that the truth of everything we've spoken is, is absolute. God, I thank you that you, your son Jesus, took the beating that I deserved. He substituted himself so that I wouldn't have to face your wrath, so that I don't have to spend eternity in hell away from you, separated from you. I praise you, Heavenly Father, because you were mighty to save us, because the blood of Jesus was shed, but it was shed voluntarily because of his love for us. And so we just worship you and thank you. But God, your word tells us before we take communion, we have to stop and recollect and ask ourselves, is there anything in us that shouldn't be in us? And so right now, God, I pause to take a moment and ask you if there's anything that you see in me, if there's anything that I haven't already confessed, God, show that to me so that I might be shed of it, so that I might get rid of it, so that by the power of your Holy Spirit, I might walk away from it and stay away from it. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that those are true. God, that I, that I am capable, that I am able because of the spirit that you have given me to walk away from who I was and become who you've called me to be. God, I pray right now for, for blessings over the people of Launch Point Church and whoever else may be listening. God, I ask that you, if there's healing that needs to be done in their body, that you provide that healing. I believe that you're the same God today that you were to the early church. And if early church had the opportunity for healing, you have a sovereign hand and you can heal. God, if you're a God of blessing and promises, God, I ask that you bless and fulfill the promises in the life of your people. God, not so much so that we can have them, but so that in having them, we might glorify your name. We might be able to testify to your goodness because the word tells us that we are victorious first by the blood and our testimony, that you saved us in our testimony of your goodness. And so, God, we thank you for who you are. We submit this to you, and we thank you for one, for giving us, and for two, for blessing us. We worship you and we praise you before we take communion, before we remember all the work that you've accomplished on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so let us take communion together. 1 Corinthians 23 through 26 says, For I have received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, when he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to remember as people that belong to you. We worship you and praise you on this Good Friday, recognizing that it is only good because of the work that you did through your Son, Christ Jesus. Amen. But the blood of
can make me whole again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so precious is the So, Father, we come humbly before your throne tonight. God, just lifting up our praise for everything that you're worth. God, because you are the one that is most worthy of our praise. God, and most worthy of our song and most worthy of God, just everything that we are. God, we thank you for sending your son God, to just endure this unimaginable punishment. Father, for us, so that we might be forgiven. So Father, if there's anything tonight God, that's holding us from you, that's hindering us from even a true relationship with you tonight, God, I just pray that we would take full advantage of the scripture that was just read. And Father, the words that were just spoken to us truth that's within those. And Father, just be with us as we go throughout the remainder of this week. And Father, as we begin a new week next week, and keep going. Father, may you walk with us. Kind of hold our hand tight. And we love you so much. Thank you for this time that you've allowed us to God, worship your name. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for uh, joining us tonight um, at Launch Point. And so uh, we look forward to um, when we will meet again in person. But um, until then, uh, we just encourage you to go on YouTube and um, just kind of keep a watch of our of our channel. And um, 
yeah, may the Lord go with you and, and bless you as you go throughout the rest of this week. See you guys later. We love you.